right. Um, so as I said in um, um, some previous emails that I was going to start um, some brand new podcasts. Invisible Visible is our first one, started four years ago by Nichelle Hall, and it's done pretty well as we explored many different uh, challenges that has come up in senior year from the silly to the serious. We try to tackle it all. And so we started to think about other shows that we can do. And so we came up with a new one um, called Black Girl Magic. And one of the most popular hashtags on social media is Black Girl Magic. It's usually the caption of amazing black women doing amazing things like Simone Biles sleeping and twirling in midair or Michelle Obama dazzling on stage in both uh, appearance and intellect or Beyonce just being Beyonce, right? So yes, black girl magic. And, and most people get that and understand that. I've seen it on Instagram and Facebook. I've nodded in appreciation. But I imagine some of you, maybe uh, you listening right now, may be thinking, is that exclusionary, the idea of black girl magic? Shouldn't we be celebrating all women and all their magic? And I just wanted to begin um, episode one of Black Girl Magic by um, having a discussion about why there needs to be a celebration uh, of black women, um, just starting there. Uh, we Black Girl Magic is headed by um, Cobri and Ty, there are or our core members, um, and Miss Greenwich. And so I thought I would pass it on to Miss Greenwich. Um, so I think it's it's an interesting idea of uh, Black Girl Magic. I think it uh, is something that is definitely necessary. I think that. Um, Black women are, to, to some degree, like kind of a, a double other. First, like you're a woman and then you're a minority on top of that. Uh, and I think that there are a lot of spaces where um, black women and black girls feel like their voices are not heard or they're not celebrated. So I view bringing in the hashtag black girl magic and that whole idea as a way of us creating an own our own space for our solidarity and be able to say like, yes, what you're doing is amazing and you are valued and um, you're important and you should be celebrated. Um, and when other people want to get in and on, on that party and recognize that, I think that that's wonderful. Um, but I do think it was a space that was created by black women um, and black girls to sort of say like, yes, you are valued and you're important and uh, let's celebrate all the, the good kind of magical things that we do. Um, when we talk about black girl magic, I just feel like it's kind of a safe celebratory space because black women, like anywhere you go, are may feel like they're constantly put down or look that crazy because they're different. They fall like under stereotypes and all this other crazy stuff. But then like when you talk about black girl magic, it's just like celebrating like black women and their excellence and things that they do. And it's just something to really, like, you can have fun with it. It just helps you, like, for me, like, it inspires me to, like, be myself in a place where there's not many people like me. Can you speak more about that? When you, when you, say, when you say there's not a lot of people like you, what do you, what do you mean by that? Um, there's not many people that look like me. NGA. NGA. Yeah. Or just any, like, predominantly white area. And, like, the I wear my hair natural now, so, like, 
there's, there's a lot of, like, ignorance and a lot of questions that people ask. And, like, sometimes you don't know how to handle that. People, like, going to think you're angry just because. Like, I could, I could simply just be walking down the hallway chilling and, just like, oh, you're going to punch me? Like, no, I'm not going to, like. It doesn't work like like they just automatically assume things about us without us even saying anything most of the time, and like learning how to deal with that has been like really hard. But like I've been doing doing this like most of my life, so like just like when you talk about black girl magic, I just feel better about the whole situation and what I can do to be great and keep pushing to be great. I guess I feel like the need. <clears throat> and a black girl, like for the hashtag black girl magic, it builds a sense of community and like a family because anywhere you go, you can just meet new black females, black women. And it just even if you mention it, you just get a sense of community and everyone can surround under this topic. And you might not know this person at all, but by having these conversations, you already have a base level of understanding of each other. And then you can have these critical conversations that are beneficial and I just feel like it makes people feel like they have a like safe space knowing that there's other people like them dealing with the same thing like for me personally knowing that there's other people dealing with the same things that I'm not in this alone and that just because I don't see people like always in the media the way like that look like me in the way that I like would see myself I still know that like, being a black woman is something I should be proud of. And, like, that's the magical part about it. I feel like it's often hard in today's, like, world where black women are also, like, when they're being put down by others, they're, like, sometimes forced against each other. And, like, black girl magic just, like, brings brings to light the whole, like, unity thing and how we should be together and not against each other. What would... What would you say to, uh, I'm just, again, hypothetical. What would you say to people who say, listen, I watch TV every single day. I watch MTV, BET, Fox, you know, and all of the major shows highlights black women. Um, and so from my vantage point, y'all are doing okay. I mean, you're in the White House, you're on Fox, you're on NBC. And so... I am listening to this, and I love you, Cobra and Ty. I love, I love you, Miss Greenwich. But I continue to see you people like you all over television. So, why do you still feel that you need a safe space when you are coveting all the spaces? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think that media has sort of broadened. I think the greater population's perspective of what blackness is, but it's a very it's very nuanced and it's not just one thing. It's not just what you see on MTV. It's not just Michelle Obama, love her. Um, there are so many nuances to what it to what it is to be a black person in America, um, to what it what it means to be a black woman in America, and even being on MTV and all these variety of things like as much as that is nice, that's not necessarily representative of my life um, and may not be necessarily representative of my experience. And I think that it is 
great that those images are out there, but at the same time, I think there still needs to be a space where we can say like, yes, that's out there. And I'm glad that more people are getting to see what, what a black perspective may look like. Um, but we know that it's bigger than that and it's more complicated than that. Um, and I think that that's what this forum is for. Um, and I'm not that old, but I feel like these types of conversations and being able to connect with black women from all over the country, all over the world, um, the fact that we're even able to do a podcast, what is that about? Um, it's something that technology has given, given us, and that is a modern phenomenon. Um, so the conversations have been happening in private and in small spaces and in small enclaves, but this is nice, as, as Cobra and Taibo said, to find solidarity and know that like the celebrations that you're having are not just your celebrations. The issues that you may be facing are not just your issues. Um, and there is a community out there um, and people out there that can identify with you and sort of share in solidarity of what um, some of the nuances of that experience may be. So yeah, it's great to have a safe space um, where you feel like no matter who you are, whether you wear your hair natural or whether or not you, you know, uh, you have a relaxer or you have dreads or whatever, um, that there are people that sort of accept you for who you are and say, like, yes, you are a black woman and you are not a monolith. And, like, let's celebrate all those wonderful, wonderful things that we do. And I also feel like in the media, although we, like, black women are seen in different aspects on BET and on, like, Fox, they're not always shown in a way that represents who we actually are or like who writes these scripts who actually are they acting for themselves are they being unapologetically black or are they just fitting the role that they have to do doing their job and so I feel like spaces like this allows you to be yourself and be free and actually have conversations that are constructive and like will actually help and support and lift other people up around you. Very interesting. Um, Ty, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, when we were first thinking about creating this podcast, um, Black Girl Magic, one of the things, Ty, you said was that you want, you feel like you, that black girls need to love themselves more, um, right? I remember you saying that. Um, can you expand on that? Is that? Do you think that's, when you said that uh, a couple weeks ago, did you mean here at school? Or do you mean in general? And uh, can you just explain more by what you meant by that? Um, when I said that, I was thinking more about the GA community because there's so many of us that don't actually, like, I feel like identify with that. Or like, with, black, with being black, yeah, like, or being a black female. So, like, when we have, like, clubs like BSA and stuff like that, I just feel like certain, like, black people, not even just black women, have, like, in a way, like, assimilated mm -hmm. to the GA community. Tell me, what do you mean by that? So they do everything, like, like if they do everything the same way they would if they were white. But then I feel like that, that's in for a rude, like, they're in for a rude awakening because once they leave this community... People are going to like actually treat them like they're black. Hmm. I feel like. Why do you think? Why do you? Th why do you think? If you can put yourself in um, the shoes of the people you're talking about, why do you think? Um, why do you think there's a force to be assimilated? Why do you think they do that? 
it may also have something to do with like their parents and who they are, how they were, how they were raised. Cause like me personally, I was raised to be like myself no matter what, and do me like at all costs. But like some people, they they want to fit in, and especially around here, it's a predominantly white school, so most people around you are not going to do or not going to look like you have the same problems as you. So like, I don't know, they may feel comfortable. They're like, they're not comfortable being uncomfortable at all. Mm. Like if that makes sense, they don't want, like they're so scared of being uncomfortable and being themselves. Then. They're trying to be somebody else. Yeah. So you're, so you're saying it's, it's like a scary, almost like a scary thing to be, unapologetically a black person in a predominantly yeah like one day I came I came to school (laughs) I came to school with my hair in a a twist out for like the first time (laughs) it's like oh my gosh I don't know how you do that I wouldn't be able to take it I wouldn't be able to take all the all the stares and all the all the questions people trying to touch your hair people told you that yeah wow cause like that's like you're literally just afraid of being yourself because of what other people are gonna say and, like, I feel like that's really a problem because, like, you really, at the end of the day, like, my ultimate goal in life is, like, self-love. Like, like we all say we love ourselves, I feel like, but, like, no one, like, really, like, unconditionally, like, yet, yet knows themselves enough to love themselves, I feel like. Mm. And that's really important to, like, be happy. And you just got to be who you are no matter what, I feel like. So... All the girls at GA, all the black girls at GA who don't know what to do or, like, feel different, it's, like, it's okay. Like, some, my mom always said, like, sometimes it's better to stand alone than to be with the crowd and doing whatever else. Like, you'll be better for it in the end, I feel like. I also feel like it's just what they've been around, so it's easier for them to just conform rather than to find out who they actually are because living where I live, like in Philadelphia inner city and traveling out here, I'm around people like me when I get home. But when they get home, they're living in like more suburban areas. So that's what they've seen and that's what they've been around. So it's easier to, oh, we're gonna hang out. Oh, let's, let me do this. Or let's, oh, mom, I need money for this because we're going to such and such. Or like, that's what everybody else is doing. So it's easier to be the same, like to fit in with everyone, then to branch out and be yourself. And then actually when you branch out and be yourself, there's other people out there that might want to do the same, like how Ty said, wearing her hair out in a twist out. And then people like, how do you do that? Like I could never, but by seeing someone like that, like that's the same thing with the media, by seeing someone like that out there, it like gives you the confidence to be like, okay, yeah, like this is okay. Like I can do this. Like there's other people out there. And then when you step out, then you realize like you're not alone in this and that there are other people struggling with the same things, but there's strength in numbers. So once you step out, you might be the first one for a little while, but then more people will come and then you'll realize that your struggle isn't just for none. Like there's other people going through the same things. I think this is an interesting conversation. Well, it's funny because I grew up in the super suburbs. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I grew up in the super suburbs. Um, my parents still live in the same house that 
um, I grew up in. So we've been in the same house for like 26 years or so. Um, my parents are from Brooklyn, New York. Like they both were born and raised in Brooklyn. And we moved to suburban Virginia because ironically enough, my sister and I went to private school and my parents were like, we can't pay for this. Um, so they moved down to Virginia where there were good public schools. Um, there were... I don't know, maybe at most like 10 black kids in my elementary school. Um, so more often than not, I was used to being the only black person in the room. Um, and then going home to a space where clearly I live with black people and my parents um, tried very hard. Um, and I realize now as an adult how diligent and purposeful um, that they were making sure that I had some type of black experience. Um, but going to school every day and being in a classroom um, full of white kids and, like, they're friends. My best friend from growing up, we've been best friends since the first day of kindergarten, um, is white and real, real Irish. Um, and I love her to death. Um, but I think that they were struggling with seeing me growing up in a very, very different environment than they were growing up in. And, like, listening to pop music when NSYNC happened, like, I was in that deep as I was into Spice Girls, super, super deep. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they did little things. Like, when we were in the car, like, I was not allowed to touch the radio. Like, it was the old school, like, R&B station at all times. And, like, you must play the game where you can identify Otis Redding's voice on the, on the radio. And if you cannot, we must talk about the nuances of why you cannot identify and correct. Um, because there, it was a part of me just being in my environment, certain things that I liked because, you know, my friends liked them. And it wasn't me not being myself. It was just being myself in a space that was very different than my parents were in. So to some degree, I was a product of where I was growing up. But I think that because my parents knew that, they knew that there had to be a duality to my environment um, to sort of blend the two. Um, I graduated from a magnet program. There were 88 kids in my class. There were two of us who were black. We were actually both black girls. In my full graduating class of 498, maybe 10 black kids. Um, so it was not till I went to college um, that I was actually in school with a large amount of, of black people. Um, so I'm like wildly impressed by you two um, and being able to have these conversations. I don't even think I would have had the nuance of the language um, to have this conversation. Um, I did have a, a strong black community that was, but that I had like, you know, through my parents and their friends, but to some degree, I'm like, this is like my extended family. Like it was very much family. Um, but I think all of them were you know, black people had been raised in predominantly black environments and were raising children um, in suburban communities that were predominantly white. So now it's very interesting to talk to my parents about what were those conversations that they were having with each other. So like, we don't know how to raise these kids <laughs> um, who are growing up in a space that's very different than mine. So I think that the fact that you all have access to so much more media the conversations that you all are having, like, I don't even think that I would have been able to have that type of conversation because these connections of even, you know, being able to have a hashtag, you know, black girl magic and being able to see what is going on in the world, I didn't have access to that. So it was just what my family was providing to me. And like, sure, if you watch TV, like, you know, there's something on there, but there wasn't even like broad access of, you know, seeing black family structures on television. Um, I'm like after kind of the era of the Cosby show and 
Family Matters was like still kind of kind of on. A little bit of Fresh Prince of Bel Air was like right in there with me too, but um, that wasn't widespread in media. So this is very fascinating <laughs> for me to be listening to this conversation, right. having you, grown up the way I did. This is you don't answer this question. Sure. Because it's being recorded. Yeah. And so uh, Ty said um, that some people feel, you said they feel afraid to as a black woman double other feel afraid to be unapologetically yourself at a school like this one at, in your public school did you feel that fear where you didn't want to wear the twist out or things of that nature did you is that a real thing this idea of like let me assimilate to survive I don't think it was that conscious but I think that there was that was I think that there was a part of me that knew that, like, I was different. I mean, I'm also almost six feet tall, and I was, you know, so I was always really tall um, and almost always the only black kid in my class. Um, so I think that there was a little bit of how do you fit in that was happening in my mind. Um, having natural hair is not something that I didn't even wear my hair natural until I started working at GA, so that was five years ago. Yeah. Um, that was a big deal on my parents. I showed up, I had done my big chop and my hair was natural and my parents were like, ah, what has happened? <laughs> like, you know, my, both my mother and my sister wear their hair natural, but I think it was the fact that I had done that, um, was, <laughs> was a really Next big step. deal. Um, so the fact that you all are already there is like kind of mesmerizing to me. So I don't, I don't think it was so conscious as, like, I felt afraid to be myself because I'd grown up in that environment. So um, that kind of was who I was to a certain extent, but I knew that I was different than everybody else. I was super aware of that. Um, and I think that part of the way that I combated that was being a really good student. Um, I was like, I may be different than you, but I'm going to get more A's than you do. <laughs> um, so I always did that, um, but I think that was a part of knowing that I was another, but I think that my black identity has developed in a way that it seems like you all are already on your road there that I did not hit until I was in my 20s. Wow. And really, yeah, very seriously did not hit until I was in my 20s. So I salute you. <laughs> well, I think it's a good place to, to, to land for our first episode, uh, our, our pilot episode. And so what I'm hearing is um, black girl magic as a kind of safe space to celebrate, celebrate all of the wonderful things that black women have done and continue to do outside of the the kind of narrow narratives that are fed in high school, college, kind of the the Rosa Parks and the et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so it's kind of a, 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 a rallying cry for uh, women of color who are often, we call it, you know, the, I hate saying this, but this idea of the double other, this idea of being both black and a woman. And so to look at those hashtags as, a, as an opportunity to be excited, to find joy and find peace and safe space, as Cobri and Ty said. So I think... I want to continue that this discussion um, over the course of this season, looking at ways how black femininity has evolved, uh, maybe not evolved at a place like Germantown Academy, maybe in the world. So um, I'm excited for more. So if you're interested, continue to listen on. Thank you, Corby Ty and Ms. Greenwich. Have a great holiday break. <laughs>